0: Hi, I'm Hillary Walsh, a serial entrepreneur, award-winning immigration lawyer, law professor, TEDx speaker, and raving Phoenix Suns fan. Over the past decade, I've helped thousands of immigrants live free in the United States. I'm talking work permits, social security numbers, green cards, their citizenship, VAWA, T-Visa, U-Visa, and lots of successful appeals. Here's the thing. Immigration law is super complicated, and legal advice well it can be pretty expensive. So I created the Immigration Law Made Easy podcast to share my 10 plus years of experience with you for free. So if you're looking for tried and true, no BS, step-by-step strategies and tips on how to win your immigration case and live truly free in the United States, you're in the right place my friend. Let's get started what's up my friends i'm excited to talk to you today about everything you need to know about if you got daca and you're wanting to use advanced parole to come back into the u.s to help adjust your status to fix your status right here in the united states so that you don't have to go to ciudad juarez or to your home country to your embassy in your home country so that's what this video is going to cover if you have daca and you're wanting to consular process this is going to, this this episode is not going to be for you. We can catch another episode another time. Okay. So this is if you got DACA and you're wanting to do advanced parole to lawfully reenter the country because you didn't have a lawful entry, you're trying to get that lawful entry. So you can, usually it's because you're married to a U.S. citizen. So you can get a green card based on your marriage to the U.S. citizen. So let's kind of walk through this process If you're new here, I'm Hillary Walsh. I'm the owner and immigration lawyer at at New Frontier Immigration Law. We are the leading law firm for immigrants in the United States. My office is based out of Phoenix, Arizona, and we help people all over the U.S. and really worldwide because that's the nature of immigration law. So let's get down to business with this DACA action. Now, what's really cool about DACA, there are many cool things about DACA, and I hope that it eventually becomes a path to a green card in and of itself but for right now it's not really status it's what's called deferred action and if you already have daca you already know that daca stands for deferred action for childhood arrivals basically young people who came to the united states they have deferred action Deferred action just is a nice, fancy way of saying, we know you shouldn't be here, that you're lawfully, not lawfully here, but we're going to defer and wait to take any action against you, like removing you or putting you into removal proceedings. This was essentially a policy that the Obama era, that that President Obama and his administration created, poof, out of the air because the DREAM Act was not getting passed in the Senate and the House, similar to what we have today. While I was in law school, I graduated in 2012. While I was in law school, this was something that was created and enacted and you know, passed as an executive decision from the Obama administration. But Harry Reid up in, up in Nevada was very, very uh, involved in trying to get the DREAM Act passed, and that's where I was going to law school. So I remember watching this kind of hoping that we were gonna see finally young people who had been brought to the United States long before they could really make the decision to come, be able to go ahead and get their green cards. In any event, fast forward, here we are over 10 years later. It's hard to believe, but here we are 10 years later and DACA is definitely every single year. You, You know better than I do because you, if you're watching this video, probably have DACA. If you're listening to this, we also do this as a podcast. Also, you may have DACA. You know that every year this this option, this form of uh, immigration protection is put on the chopping block because politicians love to talk about this like it's something that should come or go, okay? The best way, in my opinion, if you have DACA to protect yourself if you do not have a lawful entry, so let me explain what a lawful entry is. This is going to be the very generic explanation of it. So please don't, please don't think this is like the full explanation of what a lawful entry is. If you want to know more about entries, I have a whole podcast episode over on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. My podcast is called Immigration Law Made Easy, and it's called something to the effect of like everything you ever wanted to know about entries. It's almost an hour long, and I go into every type of entry. So if you're like, I think I have an illegal entry, I actually always challenge that when people come in and say, no, I have an illegal entry. I'm like, well, do you really? Let's make sure because a lot of different ways that we enter the country, we think that it's illegal, but the law actually construes it as a lawful, like good to go thumbs up entry versus a thumbs down illegal entry. Okay. So if you came in with a visa, Your parents had a little tourist visa for you and they had tourist visas and you entered on a visa. That's a lawful entry, okay? You're good to go. Thumbs up. In this case, you know, if you're now married to a U.S. citizen and you've never left the country, you have DACA, you don't need advanced parole in order to adjust status. You may want advanced parole because you're... You know, wanting to travel while you wait for your green card application to be adjudicated, like you want to go see friends or family or whatever. But this video really doesn't apply to you because that type advanced parole doesn't have nearly the restrictions that if you do not have a lawful entry, the restrictions that are placed on you. So if you have a lawful entry and you're married to a U.S. citizen and you file for your green card, one of those things that I always do for my clients is file for the I-131 with it. And it's just a basic form we complete, and while your green card is pending, you're allowed, you know that once that i one thirty one is approved, you're allowed to travel one time on what's called advanced parole, assuming it's approved. This video really isn't for you. so you could if if you legally entered and you've got a green card that you're about to file or something like that, you don't need advanced parole to help you get a legal entry. You already have it, okay? This video is for this other group of people who I'm about to talk to, and that is folks who their parents brought them in, or, you know, you came along with your family without permission. So you came walking or you were, you know, you drove through like a mountainous area or something like that. You didn't come with a visa. You didn't come through an airport. You didn't, you know, sit in the back of a car and and the government wave you through. You do not have a legal entry. This video, this podcast is for you because of that reason. Okay. So here's how we solve this problem. The only way, or one of the main ways, that you can get a green card in the US is you have to show that you are admissible to the United States. To be admissible you usually have to show I have a legal entry. I legally am here. Therefore I am am admissible and I can now adjust my status. But if you didn't ever have any status to begin with, because you came in illegally, you're not admissible. Now there are exceptions to this, things like U visas, T visas, VAWA, 245I, those are your primary exceptions to this rule. But because you already have DACA, I'm going to tell you if you have an illegal entry and you have DACA, I'm going to tell you how you can try to get advanced parole and you move forward from there. And that is by doing the following. You'll notice if you go over to the I-131 instructions, the I-131 instructions and you search the word DACA, it's going to have you go right now, uh, you know, I made this video in April, 2023. So the instructions do get updated from time to time. So if it's a little different, then that's okay. But just search the word DACA and you're going to go down to page five. And it's going to tell you the three categories that you can apply for advanced parole on. You may wonder like, wh- why do I need this advanced parole thing? What is it? Advanced parole is permission while you're here in the U.S., in the context of DACA, okay. Advanced parole is I'm here in the US. I want to travel to see my family in Mexico, or I want to travel because there's an education opportunity, or I want to travel because there's a work opportunity. My my whole company is going for this training in Mexico, and I want to travel temporarily and then I want to come back. It's, I call it like a hall pass because all of us, you remember what it was like when we were in middle school and high school. If you were out wandering the halls, you got into trouble, but if you had your hall pass, you were good to go. Nobody bothered you. It is permission in advance. You get your hall pass before you leave the country to say, no, I'm good. I can come back in. That's what advanced parole is in a nutshell. And the benefit is once you come back in with this advanced parole through this process. Now you have a legal entry. And if you're married to a citizen, once you come back, boom, you can now file for your adjustment of status because you got your legal entry and you've got your qualifying relatives who can petition for you. And like, yeah, of course we need to make sure that you're otherwise admissible. You don't have any other issues and those sorts of things. But now you've checked the very critical box of having a lawful entry. Okay. So that's how advanced parole is so helpful. So you'll see when you look at the instructions, Google USCIS form I-131 instructions. And then I always just search DACA. DACA appears in that document like 10 times. The first time it says DACA is what I'm looking at right now. And it talks about, you can apply for four specific or sorry, for three specific reasons. One is educational purposes, like you have a study abroad program you want to do, or you're going to go do academic research. The second is for employment purposes. You know, you've got an overseas assignment, you need to go for an interview or a conference or training or meeting with clients. I know that at my firm, you know, we have... We don't do it annually, but we try to have a team conference and we have a lot of team members in Mexico. So we try to have a team conference. So this would be a perfect opportunity if you worked for New Frontier Immigration Law and you have DACA and you wanted to apply for advanced parole based on, hey, this conference is coming up. This would be a key opportunity to try to apply for advanced parole. But the most common reason advanced parole is filed for for DACA recipients is related to humanitarian purposes. And what does that mean? It's a nice way of saying like, because you're a human, you should get to do this. And that includes, I'm a human. I need medical treatment in Mexico or whichever country it is that you're seeking to go to. I need to attend a funeral or I'm visiting an ailing relative, someone who's not doing well. This is usually going to be grandmas and grandpas. It's okay if you've never met them. It's actually very common that you've never met this family member, but that they are elderly and not doing well, you do have to prove that they are are in fact your relative. It needs to be a legit relative. And I know that that's going to be based on like what the US standards are for families. And that might be different depending on where you're from, but you'll want to show that they're like your actual relative, blood relative, and that they're ailing, not doing well. This has gotten over the past few years, even after President Trump was no longer president and Biden became president, we thought we would see like a shift and it would become easier for people who have DACA to be able to travel with advanced parole. But my experience working through both administrations is it has actually gotten harder to prove and the government has made it more difficult to show that I have a, a need, a humanitarian need for being able to travel, even though I have DACA, for being able to travel on an I-131. So it's it's a pretty stringent, uh, strict process. Right now, before, it was much simpler. You could just explain that you had a humanitarian reason. It, it could get granted. But now you have to really prove it up. So you're going to want to get medical records, family records to show the family lineage to how we connect to grandma or grandpa or great grandma or great grandpa you're going to want to have all of that in your filing. So, a lot of people after they get back, they want to file for their green card. And before I actually go into that, I'll explain this first. You you have to take, you know, your original travel document with you, your original approval for your I-131. And I know this because the other day I made the mistake thinking you could just take a photocopy, but I got looking at the approval notice itself and it says very clearly on there. So don't be like me and not read every single one for the DACA I-131s. You have to take the original. So be sure when you're traveling, take your DACA card with you, your current DACA card. Do not travel on a lapsed DACA. Take your existing current non-expired DACA work permit and take the original paper that approves, it's your approval notice for your I-131 with you, travel to go see your family member and be sure to return during the window that it says on your I-131 because you do not want to be stuck on the Southern or Northern side of the border. If you're wanting to come back in and continue living your life here in the united states so be sure to keep be very mindful of those don't push the dates okay please 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 don't push the dates so when you come back in you're you'll be asked you'll be probably taken to secondary inspection it'll be like a 10 minute couple of questions about what's going on for you and then you'll come right back in so many of my clients have done this so many have had no problem and if anything, they're just asked a few questions, especially if they've ever been detained or something like that. They're asked a few questions about what happened. Your immigration case is now closed. Okay, 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 we're good, good, good. And then you're you're allowed back in the country. You'll get a stamp in your passport, all this good stuff, because that is what we will then use to file for your green card. You Ideally, you already have the I-130 filed and approved, From your U.S. citizen spouse, you've got your current DACA, and then once you get back and you've got your advanced parole stamp and your passport shows that you have a a lawful entry, you're good to go for purposes of having that lawful entry as a necessary point checked box for filing for your adjustment of status. Now, one wrinkle in this that a lot of people kind of make a mistake on, and I want to help you avoid that and kind of take away some of the fear from the process. One of our core values at New Frontier Immigration Law is to remove fear from the process, which is why we have this, why we have our YouTube channel, why we have the podcast. We want to give this information away so you know what's up and you don't have to meet with a lawyer um, to find the answer. You, you can always meet with us if you want us to do the work for you, but hopefully you you can listen to this and find the answer. A lot of people wonder, look, I've heard about this 10-year bar. And if I leave, I'm going to be barred for 10 years. So even if I legally come back in, am I going to have to wait 10 years to file for my green card? And the answer is no. If you just leave and you illegally enter or you leave and you come back with your visa, the answer would be Yes. But if you leave because you are leaving on an advanced parole approval, can't just be pending, it has to be approved, then the way the case law, the way that the courts have construed this is as if you had never left at all. So the 10-year bar is not triggered. You don't have to worry about filing for a waiver or for waiting for 10 years before you can file for your green card. Assuming everything is, else is correct with your case, you could file for your green card the day you got back in the U.S. It's pretty cool, okay? So don't, you know, if you have questions about this, absolutely console with a lawyer, but I just want to let you know, like, it's such a powerful tool. The I-131 is such a powerful tool to use if you don't have a lawful entry and you do have DACA, even if you're not married to a U.S. citizen right now. Even if you are, I mean, even if you're married to someone who's undocumented, that's okay. I would still get that legal entry under my belt so that if anything comes up, like maybe you have a kid and in 21 years, that kid turns 21 and can petition for you. Cool. You traveled, you have your advanced parole entry, you, you know, you're ready to adjust status now because now you have a qualifying family member. So I absolutely recommend taking advantage of the I-131 while we have it, because if DACA goes away, you won't be able to file for an I-131 based on your DACA being approved because DACA will have gone away. So I think that 2023 should be your year. The current processing times for I-131s, I think right now, I didn't look before I started recording, but when I last looked, they were around 10 to 12 months. I mean, the most recent one that I just got an approval for this month, we filed in October, or November. So October, November, December, January, February, March, five months. Um, And I think that we got the approval notice in March. So it was like four months that it was pending. We did not get an RFE on it, which means like a request for evidence where they're asking you for more information to prove like, is grandma really your grandma? Is grandma actually really sick? We didn't get an RFE because we sent in a really good filing. so you know, I would, if you do it now, I bet you could travel by Christmas. Wouldn't that be so amazing? Travel to Mexico, travel to your home country. If you're married, take your spouse, like go, it's not supposed to be for vacation. And the instructions explicitly state don't apply for an I-131 just so you can go on vacay outside the country. But it it does not say, and the rules do not forbid you from going and seeing your ailing family member or going on a work trip or going for an educational purpose that's approved and also hitting the beach and having some really good food while you're in the country. So just come back, of course, before, before that window closes that, that says when you're supposed to come back by don't, don't, uh, don't, don't go have the hangover movie happen and not know what happened, right? I hope this is helpful because at the end of the day, we never know when DACA is going to go away. Therefore, we don't know when this I-131 option is going to go away. Wouldn't it be better to take advantage of it and have this lawful entry in your hip pocket so that any in the future, you could adjust status if you wanted to. And if you're otherwise eligible, of course, I just think it's a no brainer. And the beauty of it being as if you never left is it doesn't disrupt your DACA because you have to have continuous physical presence for DACA. And it doesn't trigger the 10-year bar. So it's really, you know, this is not legal advice, but it's like next to a no-brainer if you have no criminal history. If you have DACA, you you pretty much have no criminal history. And it's definitely not significant. So these are definitely, you know, if your parents, if you came in without permission, this is a way to get the, the box checked on having a lawful entry. So go for it. Get it, get it applied for, call grandma and grandpa, have them go get you some medical records. If they're elderly, I mean, the irony of this saying that they're ailing, I think all of us are ailing on some level, right? Like, aren't all of us in the process of dying? Like, sorry to be morbid, but it's just the truth. But we need to show that grandma or grandpa or whomever it is, it is your relative. And we're going to use immigration context for relatives. So aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, brothers, sisters, parents, those are going to be relatives. Your second cousin, probably, probably not going to be a qualifying relative, although it's not, it it does not say that, but I would try to get a a closer relative who's ailing to be able to go and do that for, because the filing fee is expensive. So you don't really want to file this and then it get denied because you're just going to be burning up your money. This is a great option for you, my friend to be able to to fix you will be able to fix in your hometown here in the US assuming you have a USCIS office there you don't have to deal with going to the embassy in in your home country it's so dangerous around those embassies and everything like you just don't want to mess with it if you can do it here in the US i absolutely think you should and then you'll file for your green card You'll be home free, baby, and all sorts of good to go. So if you want more, please hit subscribe. Please share with a friend, bookmark all of the things. And bottom line is get that advanced parole. If you've got DACA and you do not have a lawful entry, get that I-131. It's going to help you out. All right, my friends. Attorney Hillary signing off for today. I'll see you around. Thanks again. My friend, I'm so glad you joined me today. If you have a friend or family member who may need some immigration law guidance or even just day-to-day encouragement, please send them a text or email or a DM on social media and say, hey, I think this podcast is going to help you. I sure wish someone had given me the tips I'm sharing here years and years ago when I was starting out as an immigration lawyer. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Adios.